You're listening to The Cleveland Browniacs, a show where two moderately intelligent guys attempt to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browniacs podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. Hey, welcome back to the Cleveland Browniacs. It's me, Joel, your fantastic, fabulous host. And join me, as always, is the wonderful, the amazing, the looking somewhat post-apocalyptic Elliot with the uh, the shades. His future is so bright. So speaking of the future being so bright, did you happen to watch week one, Elliot? And did you see what happened on week one? Well, I did. And I think uh, fans who watched our show about the Bengals forecast would be pleased because we basically said what was going to happen. We said, and we argued with our friend from the uh, Bengal side running in the jungle. We told him what was going to happen, that Burrow had not practiced. He was not going to be sharp. We thought that the game might be a little bit sloppy, and we thought that the Browns had an excellent chance to win. I did not expect that it was going to be a 21-point differential, but I did think that the that the Bengals were going to have trouble scoring, and I thought that there were that the Bengals were going to be mistake prone, and that turned out to be the case. How about that? Yeah, I mean, twenty-one point differential. I mean, that's that's a a nice, polite way of saying that the Browns laid an epic beatdown on those people from Kentucky. I mean, it was an epic beatdown. <laughs> I was I was at this game with uh, John Suchan, our our wonderful leader. We were we had some pretty good seats, and uh, I mean, I'm going to tell you live that defense is for real. I mean. They are for real. That is not a joke. They legit shut down T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, anybody they threw out there. And that front seven shut down the run game when you know the Bengals weren't holding and grabbing, which happened a lot that didn't get called. And it was, it was that defense just laid an epic beat down on that team. And then when Stefanski finally figured out that, hey, maybe we shouldn't throw so much. Uh, you know, that's when the running game kicked up and the Browns offense started moving. But Yeah, any, I want to any... talk a little bit about the running game, if I may. Go ahead. I'm going to say, is there uh, anything particularly you want to talk about? Yeah, no, I was glad to see that they used Jerome Ford and that they didn't give all the carries to Chubb. I think overworking Nick Chubb was one of my big issues. I did not want to see that. I thought that Ford was acceptable despite a fumble uh, for most of the game. He did not gain any yards to speak of uh, in so-called garbage time, the last two possessions when they were just running out the clock. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, look at his stat line. It was pretty terrible because he had like mm-hmm. seven carries at the end of the fourth quarter in which he gained no yards. But uh, really, I think he was, he was okay. Let's, Keep, let, let, keeping, me, let me jump on this. You know, yeah. garbage time started about eight minutes into the fourth quarter, like eight minutes at the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter. When they went for it in their end zone, their, their half of the field, and Miles Garrett got that sack, that was the game. And both teams at this point, both teams came out and just ran the ball up the middle for the next eight minutes of the game until it was over. So. Everybody knew what was going on. The the analytics crunching numbers guys in the 
And the box said, look, we're not going to be able to come back and win this game. This game is over. And the Bengals just threw the white flag out there. Said, no moss, no moss. I mean, literally, they just started running the ball up the middle, which is what the Browns did because they're running out the clock. You have both teams running out the clock. Both teams know exactly what the other team is going to do, which is hand the ball off and get tackled and snap the ball at about five seconds on the on the play clock and just run the clock down. That both teams started that eight minute mark in the fourth quarter. That's how much of a beat down that game was. It was unbelievable mm-hmm. to watch. It was it was insane. All right, go yeah, to the next well, topic. Yeah, there was no point in getting Joe Burrow uh, injured in a game like that. That would be stupid. So of course they they don't want to do any. They don't want to be too tricky. Let's not outsmart ourselves if you're the Bengals. Uh, but yeah, they were completely pasted in every possible way. Uh, I, I, th- I think we can recognize in hindsight that they were just inept on offense. They hadn't practiced. And, you know, Alver- uh, this is not something that, you know, it's not Allen Iverson. Practice. We're talking about practice. Well, in the NFL, you have to practice. I'm sorry. Practice mm-hmm. is important. And your team just can't play if the quarterback doesn't practice with the team. And that's unfortunately the case. Uh it's just a monumental disaster if the quarterback cannot practice with the team. So, and, you know, by the way, for those people who are saying that, well, we want Tom Brady to come back and rescue the New York Jets, that isn't going to happen for the same reason. He hasn't practiced with the team, plus he's 47 years old. He's older than dirt and, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Well, since since we brought this up. Brady, I, I want to get I want to circle back to the Browns, but since we brought this up, okay, we had sat here and talked before that preseason game against the Jets that like Aaron Rodgers is getting older. He's playing on that idiotic turf in New York that everyone gets hurt in. His offensive line is pretty much straight trash. How are you going to protect him? How are you going to keep him from getting hurt? And it took a whopping one, two, three, four. Four plays and this dude's season's over. Oh. I mean, that was the most anticlimactic thing since Geraldo Rivera had a live show opening Al Capone's <laughs> vault. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go look up Al Capone's vault and Geraldo Rivera. I mean, the dude was live for like an hour and they opened the vault and there was nothing in it. Like that, that is Aaron Rodgers this season. You've got hard knocks, you've got Everybody hyping this team up and four plays in, the vault's empty. Yeah, so much for the New York media. They, they hyped up both teams. You know, the the Jets, I think there was some reason that, you know, they, okay, they did get a really good quarterback uh, back in the day. The Giants had absolutely no reason to be hyped up whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, they they were titanically <laughs> awful against, against Dallas. That was really funny. I mean, to be fair, Dallas does have Dallas. a good football team. They good, have a good, good football Dallas. team. I rarely root sure. for Dallas, but in this case, it was really funny to see the New York media be so, so, so wrong after all this hype on their teams. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, I will say this for the Jets. One, they won the game against Buffalo. They, they have a tremendous defense. They have okay. a defense. They can and, play defense. And, and, and they may and, not have needed Aaron Rodgers in order to win this season because they're going to hold all their teams 
to like 15 points because all the <laughs> opponents are not going to score very much. He's got and kick field goals with Lance Zerline. <laughs> yeah. So, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a I'm in a pick em league with my family, with my brothers and my kids, and I was texting them joking that the Jets need to just run. Um, oh my, the guy, the elude, Wilson, Zach Wilson up the middle until he gets a concussion and they can bring in the emergency quarterback because Zach Wilson wasn't getting it done. I'm just that, that, that video. I don't know. scored enough points to win the game. And that was good enough. That's all you need to do. If I you, mean, you can win ugly. If you have a really, truly top defense, I mean, just ask Jim Trestle in Ohio state. They won a national championship doing this, but Hey, more power. Let's, let's circle back to the Browns. Let's circle back to the oh, Browns yeah. offense. Browns. I mean, I don't have the exact numbers on Joe Burrow's day versus uh, um, Deshaun Watson's day. I think it's 152 or 150 yards for Watson and like 82 yards for Burrow. And Burrow was held to 2.6 yards a pass attempt, which is some phenomenally low number. Like, I think it's like mm-hmm. the second lowest yards per attempt on an opening weekend, on an opening weekend for a, for a quarterback in the Super Bowl era. I mean, that's how much of an epic beatdown this was. This defense came out and shut them down. And the Browns' offense wasn't terrible. I mean, Watson threw for 154 yards, okay, in those conditions. And I was at the game, so I'm going to tell you, and, and I watched it on television later, the television does not do justice to just what kind of a mess that was at the stadium. There was, like, literally lake effect rain. It was centrally located <laughs> over the stadium. You know, and I'm walking out, and I'm talking to John Suchan, and we're walking out, and I said to John, I was like, look, Today's game should be the game that people point to and say, we do not need a dome in Cleveland. We would need to play in open weather within the conditions because that's how, and and maybe overstating this, but that weather gave the Browns a significant advantage over the Bengals. Of course, you know, not practicing and not being in cohesion helps too, but when you can't throw the ball, and the Browns are built to run the ball just as much as they are to throw the ball, and the Bengals aren't. The Bengals are not a running football team. That offensive line is not good enough to win a game running the football. But the Browns can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I really believe that there, there needs to be some teams that play in, in the elements. Green Bay Packers and Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, those teams – do not need domes. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, I wonder how long it's going to take before there's a statue of Hopkins out there. The kicker that, you know, just the kicker that can kick right down the middle. I mean, almost every kick was right down the middle. Like, it's not yeah. that hard, people. It's not that hard. Okay. You just got to get out of your own head. Well, so what do you want? Do you want a kicker that kicks for distance? Or do you want a kicker that kicks through the goalposts? Exactly. I want a kicker that puts it through the goalpost. I don't care if you have to stick yourself between 40 and 50 yards and you can't kick over 50. If you can make them inside of 50, I'm good. Put it on the offense to get the ball close enough to kick a field goal. I want a quarterback that can miss from 65 yards. That is just so impressive to me. You mean kicker? You said quarterback. Kicker? You want a kicker that can miss from 60 yards? <laughs> hey, I watched I watched Dustin Hopkins. Is that his name? Dustin? Whatever. This dude kicked a 62-yard field goal in practice. And John was beside me. He was like, man, I think you just hit a 62-yard field goal. 
I was like, yeah, but we'll see if he can do it in a game. Anybody can kick these things in practice. We're talking about practice. Kick it in a game. Practice. Anything else around the Not a game. We're talking about practice. Elliot, is there anything else around the NFL week one you want to talk about before we hit our break and move on here? Um. Well, yeah, I, w- I wanted to talk about the rookie quarterbacks. They were all terrible. Well, what do you expect? Now, I did um, actually go back and watch those games because the Ravens got C.J. Stroud week one. And I thought that game was pretty interesting because I don't think Stroud was rattled. I think what Stroud has to do is get used to the NFL speed. Like, he would get pressure up the middle and he would try to escape and, and the defensive linemen or the mm-hmm. linebackers would chase him down. At Ohio State, he just keeps running. But now in the NFL, he's getting chased down. And I think he was a little surprised by how fast defensive linemen are in the NFL. So that, yeah, that's one. So Stroud's the got fat guys can run. <laughs> yes, yeah, Stroud is going to have to adjust to the speed of the NFL. Other than that, I thought he made good decisions, didn't do a lot of stupid stuff that rookies do, and he played a very good Ravens front, set, front seven. Um, I'm not going to say it was a good secondary. I'm going to say it was a good front seven. Um, and they threw a lot of disguises at him, and I think he handled it well. On the other hand, let's talk about Bryce Young. Okay. <laughs> Bryce Young has got some issues he's going to have to figure out. One is how the hell is he going to see over that offensive line? I mean, they've put him back in shotgun, and he's still not seeing a lot of stuff that he needs to see. When he sees it, he can hit it. Okay. He's smart as a quarterback. So I see why they drafted him number one overall. He's a smart guy. What he sees, he understands and processes. The problem is, is I don't think he's seeing it. And therefore, that's led him to some ineptitude in terms of their offense. I mean, he looks like a junior high kid out there playing high school football. Like, who let the 5'2 kid play quarterback? You know, yeah, that's that's well, literally what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that he can play. There's no doubt about it. Um, he'll he'll be he'll be fine as a quarterback. Whether or not he'll be so good that he justifies the number one overall uh, selection, that I really doubt. Uh, I don't know. You know yeah. All right, so Haley, we're going to take our break here, man, and then we come back. We're going to preview week two, okay? So hang on to your horses. I've already done right. a podcast earlier this week with uh, um, someone from the from the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast group here on Fans for Sports Network, and I thought he had some interesting things to say, so I'll share some of that. And All I think right. Elliot's got some graphics we're going to go over, so hang on, hang on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and we're back. Go visit our sponsors. Check out our podcasts. I've got uh, What the Elf Was That podcast that's out for your listening and enjoyment. We have also got the Fanatical Elves podcast, Any Given Sunday podcast, Dog Pound South podcast. 
we got a lot of podcasts out there going on. So check out the Fans for Sports Network. Go to uh, Apple Podcasts. Go to Spotify. Check us out. Like us. Give us a good review. Uh, tell your friends. All that nonsense. Elliot, week two. We go from Bengals week to Steelers week right out of the gate. And it's on Monday night. Okay. Well, I'm sharing uh, my screen. Do you see that, Joel? Is it working? Let me add that on. There we go, baby. Okay. So what we've got oh. lined up here is is the looks like the oh it's Kenny Smallhands. I'm like, what the, what is that? You got um the Steelers offense lined up against the Browns defense. So. Yeah, yeah. So the Steelers are on the bottom and the Browns are on top. Yep. And then I've basically I've I've adapted some of the pro football focus kind of color scheme. And I've uh, used some of their grades from this year and kind of modified it with their past history. But basically, uh, blue means that they're really at the top of their profession. Green means that they're really pretty good. Uh, yellow is kind of average. And orange means that they're maybe a little bit below average. And red means that they're really stink. And we don't really have anybody on these teams that really stink. These yeah, there's there's no red on the, on the board here. Yeah. In my opinion, that these are two above-average teams. I really like the Steelers this season, despite their terrible performance against San Francisco. But I would mm -hmm. like to call to your attention the fact that we've got some uh, difficulties with the Steelers in uh, the offensive line. We don't really have any standouts there. We've yeah, got you've Miles. got three yellows and two oranges on that offensive line. Yeah, and we've got Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. And by the way, we see these guys moving around. I showing I'm showing Miles Garrett on the right side, and uh, Zadarius Smith on the left side. But these guys moved around, and sometimes they were on the same side. Sometimes they played three defensive ends, and mm -hmm. they can switch. So it's very, very it's a lot of fun. We also saw Miles Garrett play pass coverage. That was really cool. And it is a different defense this year, folks. It's really going to be fun. Mm -hmm. But they are going to get after the quarterback. They still, I, I I don't know that much about the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, but they used to play the, the you know, same defense as the Steelers where uh, Roethlisberger would stay in a short uh, spread formation and You're try to get... You're still talking offense, right, Kenny? Right? You're talking about offense, right, Elliot? You're yeah, Steelers defense. offense. Yeah, okay. Steelers offense, offense okay. would be very, very quick to get the ball out to the wide receiver as quickly as possible. And uh, they also use their running back, uh, you know, a lot. They, they really expect Najee Harris to do everything. They throw the ball to him a lot, and he gets a lot of touches and gets a – lot of yardage but doesn't have that that many yards per carry or yards per reception but they they use him a lot mm -hmm. uh kenny gets a you know is getting a lot of press positive uh, uh compliments on his progress as a second year player but he hasn't really put up big numbers at any point in time and i will also mention that he came on well in the second half of the season, but maybe it's easier to play in the second half of the season because the other team's defense is kind of thin out due to injuries. And this is really the hardest time to play football 
at the beginning of the year when all of the players are present, there are no weaknesses at any point in any NFL team. Everybody's at full strength. Mm-hmm. And um, well, so, just, and just if, so the listeners know, Kenny, Kenny Pickett, that you have labeled Kenny Smallhands, is a yellow player, which puts him mm-hmm. on the average side of quarterback. Um, yes. Interestingly enough, you know, I had some people on from the Steelers and uh, they were concerned that the receivers and the quarterback are not on the same page that, you know, when one of the other thinks they're in man and the other one thinks they're in zone, they're not stopping off in zones they're running through. And this accounts for a lot of the inaccuracies for, for Kenny Pickett, mm-hmm. you know, that's fixable if, if that's really what the issue is. Um, I don't know. I'm not convinced. Um, honestly, I, I looked at a lot of passes and there were really some bad placement. Some of it was good placement. Some of it was really bad. And uh, we'll we'll just see what happens when it we'll comes down to it. But I, I, I do like I do like the Browns defensive line against the uh, Steelers yes. offensive line. Yeah, I think, I, I think, I think we're going to win be, that battle. That could be a mismatch there. I do like the the uh, pass catchers. Namely, uh, George Pickens, I think, is a real talent at wide receiver. I also think that Pat Fryermuth is a really good tight end for the Steelers. Uh, they don't have any real weaknesses. However, uh, Deontay Johnson is out. He's normally their number two guy. He is not mm-hmm. going to play uh, this week. And um, so they're not quite at full strength in terms of their pass receivers. Uh, are we ready to move to the next Sure. Do you have uh, Do you have an offensive one? I do. Look at that. Okay. How about that? Now, normally and that's exactly be... the color code you would expect to see on the offensive line, too. Hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, we used to have three dark blue circles for the Browns' offensive line. Uh, Joel Batonio is a future Hall of Famer, really. Um, mm-hmm. Ethan Posick played at that level. Uh, for much of the year last year. And Wyatt Teller was really a um, Pro Bowl player two years ago. Maybe he hasn't quite been at that level since then, but he's still very good. Let me, uh, anyway. let me for, the, for the, those listening, Joel Batonio is in a dark blue. Ethan Pochick is in a dark green. Wyatt Teller is yeah. in a kind of light green. Jed yeah. Wills and Dewan Jones are both in like an orange. Yeah, so they're they're kind of... Uh, uh, a little bit below average uh, in terms of their score. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least as I have interpreted their results uh, based mainly on uh, pro football focus with a little bit of my own judgment applied uh, therein. Um, we have a dark blue circle for Nick Chubb at mm-hmm. running back. Uh, on the Steelers' side, they have dark blue circles or squares, I should say, for Minka Fitzpatrick and also J.J. Watt. Uh, Watt is really the their equivalent or their answer to Miles Garrett. One guy that's missing, um, however, is uh, Cameron Hayward. Mm-hmm. He's just an awesome defensive lineman, but he's out, I think, for an extended period of time. Yep. And he's being replaced on the field by Alex Smith, who's also very, very good, but he's not Cameron Hayward. Uh, so uh, their defense is not as formidable as it appeared at the beginning of the season. 
they picked up uh, Patrick Peterson from Kansas City, and he's supposed to be a stud. He had a poor game uh, last week, but I'm still listing him as an above-average player. Um, and um, they also have uh, a rookie fourth-round pick, Keanu Neal, in the lineup. And he played well, but I've given him kind of a lower grade than the pro football focus gave him just because he's a rookie. And um, uh, their free agent acquisition, Cole Holcomb, also I've listed him in, in yellow. Mm -hmm. He's kind of average. And um, so there you have it. Uh, I think that the Browns really look uh, favorable compared to the Steelers. I've also listed Deshaun Watson, who did not have a good game last week, but he was playing in the same foul elements that Joe Burrow was playing in. And had a much actually, better game than Joe Burrow. Yeah, he had a much better game. I, I've listed him as light green. I don't think it would be fair to say that he was a superstar, even taking the weather into account. But I think that he could have a breakout game against this crew, against the Steelers crew, this Monday night. It's not out of the question. I do expect to see Deshaun Watson play better uh, than Kenny. We'll just see how that goes, but I, I really like the Browns' chances against the Steelers. Yeah, I think with you got Cameron Hayward out of there, that creates a real problem, I, in my perspective, for the uh, Steelers' defense. They like to come up the middle. They like to blitz up the middle. They like to come everything straight at the quarterback, which in turn flushes them either to the right or to the left, where Watt and Highsmith pick up the garbage. I mean, Watt and Highsmith are not just straight pass rushers. Right, they'll blitz. They'll they don't just line up and rush. Now sometimes they will, but that's not what they do. Play in and play out, you know. Oh yeah. I, I, by the way, I just caught a mistake. I've got uh, Watt listed as JJ Watt. His brother should be TJ Watt. Sorry about that, but you know who I mean. That really right. mean, nasty guy. Um. By the he way, doesn't look like he's taking as many steroids. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really an awesome player, but. Do we have any video about how he got his uh, trademark uh, uh, kick celebration? Yes, goal? we do. We have a video showing. Oh, how, okay. That's how exactly what found. I wanted to talk about. All right, about. here we go. We're going to play it. Here up. we go. Yes, that's exactly it. Not, not everybody knows this, but when PJ um, Watt was a kid, he wanted to be uh, on the Radio City Rockettes, but he just, you know, didn't qualify. And so he became a football player instead. That's a true story. <laughs> and, this, and, thus, and thus his celebration is the Rockettes kick. That's how there it happened. It <laughs> true story right here true on story. the Browniacs. Where else can you get news like that except from us? Exactly. Are there any matchups you're looking forward to on week two on the docket? You mean besides the Browns? Besides the Browns docket. What else? Anything else well, you're thinking might be interesting to watch? No, nah, I don't care about I can't think about anything else except Monday Night Football, man. That's all I care about. <laughs> That's all I care about. I, I haven't right, thought well, about anything else. Uh, I looked at the game. Let me run schedule. some games by you, and you tell me what. There's nothing. There's nothing that motivated me. You know, I made three bets uh, on on the weekend. I bet on uh, 
the Browns, and I bet that uh, Jacksonville was going to take care of business against uh, against uh, Indianapolis because I did not believe that you could start a rookie quarterback that never played college football to speak of, and I was right about that. And mm-hmm. and then I also I bet that uh, that the New England game was going to be. Um, I, I bet the under on that. I thought it was going to be a defensive game, and I missed on that one. But um, overall, I had a pretty good week. I don't. I'm not motivated to bet on any game. I think I'll probably bet a, a little bit of money on the Browns against the Steelers. So but, you're in a uh, different place than me, man. I don't even bet. I just like to watch the game and pick favorites. I mean, yeah. the one well, game I think it's pretty that stupid. Really... I do good and well. I can't win overall, but I'm going to do it anyway, <laughs> just to kind of kind of sharpen my analysis you know but i do know that i will not win long term it is not possible fans to beat las vegas in the long run you can't do it can't right. be done but i'm gonna I, do so it anyway. the panthers i kind of tip this to the panthers the panthers are playing monday night and they have an hour earlier start than the browns oh, okay. so i again the panthers and the browns are playing at the same time usually when the browns get on prime time i can watch the one o'clock panthers game can't do that this week. But the other one that was interesting to me was the Ravens at Bengals. Now, I, obviously, AFC North implications. I'm rooting for the Bengals because we mm-hmm. have we have already a tiebreaker over the Bengals. So if the yeah. Bengals can give the Ravens a, a division loss, that just helps us. Um, you know, so that one's an interesting one. I mean, I, I, I think Burrow will bounce back at home in better weather, and they're going to, like, you know, show up and take care of business against the Ravens who didn't really look that good in week one. I mean, yeah, they beat a rookie quarterback on his first start and their offense did not look like, I mean, they put 25 points up, but their offense did not look like the juggernaut that everyone claimed it was going to be. And I'm not surprised. I'm sure you're not surprised. We've been saying this for a while. We've been saying that on the air that we did not think that their offensive scheme was a good one. We did not really understand why they wanted Todd Monken to be the offensive coordinator. We did not understand why Lamar Jackson had to be a pocket passer. We did not think that was his forte. And it's not. not. There was a need to do that. And we did not really think that Odell Beckham Jr. was a good addition to that team. Uh, You know, and I looked. When I was watching that game, I was watching that game, I was looking for OBJ. And I don't think he made his first catch until the fourth quarter. I'm not even sure he was on the field most of the game. And the one who was tearing it up was Zay Flowers. And I don't know if it was a situation where the Texans thought, hey, we need to shut down OBJ um, because he's the only one that we might actually be somewhat scared of if he plays well. you know. And Zay Flowers is actually a pretty shifty, pretty good receiver. But their throws to him were very close to the line of scrimmage. And it was like, Lamar Jackson-esque in terms of like, let's put this guy in a perimeter and make him make people miss. That's not going to be a long-term solution because I don't think Flowers is big enough to take the beating he's about to take if he tries that in the NFL. But it worked against the Texans. So the only person on that team, that offense, that made me even somewhat concerned was Zay Flowers watching that game. But that offense was so predictable. They're running people down the field and they're trying to like clear out the middle so that Lamar Jackson can throw the ball over the middle to a running back or or a, a receiver doing a crosser by himself. I mean, it is like 
college level crap <laughs> going on. I mean, it is predictable college level crap. And it's not going to, I mean, it didn't work in Cleveland. It didn't work in Tampa Bay. It's not going to work in Baltimore. And I'm going to tell you something. The Ravens didn't light it up. They, I think they were winning by like 10 at halftime against a rookie quarterback. Like that Texans defense held their own against that team. And it hmm. wasn't until they started Lamar, lining Lamar Jackson up in the uh, pistol formation, started handing the ball off until that offense started moving. And then once that running game started, they got some a little bit of their passing lanes, but not much. And I am waiting for the Bengals to just expose the Ravens next week. Now, the Ravens also didn't have Marlon holding Humphreys out there um, and a couple other players out there. But I'm 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 pretty sure the Bengals are about to light this team up week two. Well, yeah, I you know they were so far out of sync against Cleveland. I'm not sure that they'll fix everything in one game. It might take two or three games for them to come back to normal. I do think that they will be a threat eventually. I I don't like their you know the Bengals. Uh, pass defense. I think they lost a lot of personnel that that's going to hurt them in the long well, I run. I agree, but I, I think the the Ravens scheme is so dumb that that I mean, if the Texans, who's like the equivalent of Backwoods Tennessee Community College, can hold their own against the Ravens, the Bengals, who have a actually a good front seven, are going to pressure Lamar Jackson, and he's either going to throw it, get hurt, or throw a bunch of interceptions. That's what's going to happen here. So I, I just I just think the Bengals are about to put a beat down on the Ravens. I think it's about to happen. My gut tells me it's about to happen. Uh, I don't think there's any. Oh, the Jets the Jets are at Dallas this week. So let's see if uh, the Cowboys can <laughs> Cowboys can take out the uh, New York teams all at one time. Um, all the remember Giants. you you don't need offensive linemen. All you need are skill players. Yeah, exactly. New York. How's that working for the Bengals anyway? Oh, yeah, 2.6 yards per pass. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Giants at the Cardinals, so I guess they get there. Uh, um, okay, we lost. Now we have to have a, an easy win game. Nothing else really stands out. I do like the Sunday night game, the Dolphins at the Patriots. I, I am looking forward to that one. I think that'll be a good one um, to take in. Oh, 49ers at Rams. I'm a big, you know, LA fan, so not a Rams fan, but I'm a fan of uh, LA sports. So I do kind of think that uh, 49ers at Rams will be an interesting game if uh, you want a good viewing. But yeah, I don't know. Raiders are going to Buffalo. I think Buffalo gets off the snide with that one. Chiefs are going to Jacksonville. I think they're going to hit their first win at that that situation. Mm, Seahawks mm, and Lions. No, no, Jacksonville will beat them up. I don't know. Seahawks and Lions, man, that might be a good one to to keep an eye on. I mean, I just it's interesting because how good is Seattle? I mean, we've heard that this team's got Geno Smith and they're coming to get you. So we'll see what they do against the Lions. I think in the Lions are going to be 2 and 0 after the end of that one. Um yeah, I mean, Vikings Eagles ought to be interesting. Um Yahoo, of course you got you got uh, My Kirk God. Cousins, Kirk Cousins in prime time. Uh, so yeah, that, that'll be something, uh, or does that only apply to Monday night football, Kirk Cousins, or is it prime time? Well, it's not Kirk Cousins fault, but they, they lost a lot of players, you know, because they, well, it sort of is his fault because they, 
spend all their money on the quarterback and they didn't have any money to pay anybody else. But uh, they they uh, cut their running back and, you know, they just made a lot of cuts. Um, yeah, I, I think the, I think the first I think the first Monday night game is going to be a dud. Saints at Panthers is not going to be a draw. I mean, it's it's not going to be something. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm a Panthers. Like I I, I kind of homey for the Panthers. I still don't see that something is like, yikes! I don't know what's going to happen with this. <laughs> you know, I just that's going to be some going to be some bad football being played right there. Yeah, rookie quarterbacks typically don't well. You can win if you're if you're a four year starter at a major college. I think you can win the first year, but well, if you if you do that, you got to do what they did with Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh and what they did with Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh last year, which was we don't expect the quarterback to you know carry yeah. our team. We're going to give the ball to the running back. We're going to do a lot of short passes. We're going to do a lot of things to protect the quarterback and then let the defense win these football games. That's what they did with Ben Roethlisberger. That's what they did with Kenny Pickett. And the, the Panthers aren't doing that <laughs> with Bryce. Yeah, we want you to They're out there chucking it, man. On your shoulders, boy. They're out there chucking it. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a little bit for, <laughs> for something before something happens. But all right. Well, there's your week two preview. Um, obviously, the most important game is the Browns going into Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, way too early prediction. Elliot, who do you like? Well, I know that the Browns are favored, and I'm inclined not to argue with Las Vegas. I think that I would probably favor the Browns even a bit more than what the official line is. Well, I'll say this. I mean, um, I had Jeff Hartman. I think it's his name, Jeff Hartman. Is that right? Um, from the from the Steelers Nation podcasts. He was pretty concerned about the offensive defensive line of the Steelers, and I happen to agree with him. I think the Browns are going to dominate the Steelers' offensive line, and I think the Browns' defense or offensive line is going to have their way with the Steelers' defensive line. The only thing that would maybe equalize that out is how well can Watson recognize blitzes, and how well can the offense adjust to those blitzes. I mean, to me, that's yeah. Jeff Hartman is who goes on. That is the only thing I can think that would even out the game for them, and I don't see that happening. So, I mean, I, I don't see the the Browns not adjusting. That's that's film study, and and Watson's already seen Pittsburgh once. So this is going to be a good game for Watson. I think he'll throw for well over two hundred yards. It's not going to be like last week where he, you know has trouble gripping the ball and everybody's dropping passes and stuff. Yeah, and it's just yeah. He's gonna throw some balls. Yeah, it wasn't just Watson week one. It's like a a literally a localized storm over that stadium. It was it was pretty freaking weird to watch on radar. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think there's they're gonna get to pick it. He's three more sacks, maybe four. It's not gonna be and several quarterback hits, maybe seven quarterback hits against the Steelers. All right, so we're. Yeah, we're both saying victory. So I think that's what we're looking for. So hopefully it's going to be a good week. And everyone, I want to appreciate and say thank you to everyone for checking out the Cleveland Browniacs. Join us next week when we recap week two and look forward to week three. But at this this point, big week for for the Browns playing the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Go Browns. 
Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Browniacs. Please like and follow us on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Go Browns!